July 17, 2017. 16 minutes felt like 16 hours. Yesterday, Saber, the 25-year-old leopard, and world's oldest if Guinness was right, that previous record holder was 24, got overheated. At 4.15 p.m., Sue called and said Saber had been sleeping in the same spot all day, and as the sun was setting, he was no longer in the shade. She didn't think he could walk well enough to move now that he was hot. She had already given him a frozen blood sickle and had been hosing him with cool water, but he was still unable to walk a few feet to the shade. When I got there, I saw nothing that we could make shade with, so I sent Sue, Rebecca, and an intern named Jamie, I think, to get shade cloth tarps and snaps. I climbed up on top of his lockout and made myself into a contorted wall hanging to create as much shade over his whole body as I could. Every muscle was straining to the point that I thought all of my ligaments were just going to tear from the joints. It seemed to take them forever, but that was probably just because I was so strained. We hooked three tarps together, and since I was already up on the side of the cage wall, I fastened it up high. We then draped it down at about a 45 degree angle and affixed it to Jinx's cage next door so plenty of airflow could go through but no sun. Saber was still licking his sickle and acting pretty unconcerned with all of the activity. Not knowing when he drank last, I asked Sue to get some buckets for water. She said she didn't know where any were. Rebecca and the intern said they didn't know either. I texted Gail, but then remembered that there were big buckets in Aspen Echo's empty cage, so I ran over and got a bucket and an extra water bowl with a lower side in case he couldn't stand. We pushed the bowl right up under his face, full of water, and he had a good long drink. Meanwhile, I've texted the vets, and finally, Dr. Liz Wind responds and says that we should take him inside to cool off. How the heck am I supposed to do that? He can't get up, but there's nothing wrong with his mouth full of teeth. Jamie calls in and says we don't have a transport that I can take inside the cage, so I'll have to cut a hole in the feeding lockout if I can get him into it. Sue asks if she can give Saber some half-frozen meat to cool him off from the inside out. When she does, he stands up, so I ask her to coax him into the feeding lockout. I go to shut the door, but it won't shut because someone has jerked it off the top rail by opening it too hard. I keep tension on the rope as Sue uses the feeding stick to push it down, one square at a time. Well, this was a huge accomplishment. Moving him from here will be a lot easier than if he were in the middle of the cage. Everyone is left for the day, so it's just Sue, Becky, Matt, and me, so I choose a transport we can lift alone. Gail shows up and calls all the interns back to work and gets the transport and poles we usually use. Gail and I cut a hole in the lockout, and then she used some meat to lure Saber into the transport. Well, that all went a lot better than I expected. We take him inside the West Bench Cat Hospital, and the vet prescribes 2,000 units of sub-Q fluids. Saber is exhausted by the ordeal and doesn't put up a fuss. Gail had been scratching him with a back scratcher, so he acted like he didn't even notice the little pinprick. We put cameras on him to watch him through the night and shared the links with everyone so they could help. His night was uneventful, and the next morning Jennifer Russick tries to get him to take his morning meds and a piece of meat, and he drops it. She puts it back in his mouth via the feeding stick several times, and he just keeps dropping it. Gail gives him 2,000 more units of sub-Q fluids, but 
texts the vet group that Saber's eyes are not focusing and she thinks he's fading on us. Dr. Wynn texts back and asks if she should come over on her lunch break. Gail asks me to come talk to her first. When I get there, we have a good cry together because it's clear that Saber is shutting down, but Gail said she didn't want to make that call to the vet. I text the vet group and tell them that Saber is ready to go. Dr. Justin Borstein says he's on his way. Dr. Justin arrives and sedates Saber at 11.45 a.m. because Saber's breathing is agonal and coming in great gasps. Once Saber is asleep, he tries several veins in the back leg, and when he shaves the fur, he finds many, many tiny masses that were not visible through Saber's lush fur. It takes him several more tries, but he finally draws back blood in the syringe and ends the heaving, gasping horror of Saber's last few moments. It's 12.05 and it seems like this has taken hours. Usually euthanasia is such a peaceful event, but every once in a while it is one of these awful ordeals. Gail, Justin, and I can never unsee it and will dread a repeat every time a cat reaches the end of their life. I can only hope and pray that Sabre did not suffer since he was sedated. I just don't know how much they feel or know when they're sedated. If you're enjoying my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find other ways to connect to me over at bigcatrescue.org forward slash carol.baskin.